The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Welcome to a discussion of radical fundamental principles of freedom, rational self-interest, laissez-faire capitalism, and individual rights. The Yaron Brook Show starts now. So I don't know how many of you uh, followed this story uh, in uh, in May of uh, in May of this year. Uh, there was a uh, situation in Portland where a where a, a man, uh, 35 years old, who uh, whoops, I'm getting feedback for some bizarre reading. All right, so uh, 35-year-old Jeremy Joseph Christian boarded a uh, public transport uh, vehicle in uh, Portland, Oregon, and uh, went and uh, started uh, shouting and yelling racial slurs at a Muslim girl and her friend, 16- and 17-year-old. Uh, uh, and when three men stepped in and said, hey, uh, what, you know, what are you doing? Uh, stop this! You, you you shouldn't talk to people like this. These were these were young girls, uh, basically uh, alone, and uh, this guy's yelling at them. Uh, he basically an argument ensued. He pulled down a knife and stabbed the three men. Uh, you know, two of them died. Uh, a third one uh, had to be had spent quite a bit of time in the hospital. Um, yesterday, in Charlottesville, Virginia, another young man. Uh, got in a car and using a tactic adopted by uh, Muslim terrorists, drove through a crowd, uh, injuring 19 people and, and killing a young woman. Now, the numbers here are relatively small, you know, one person in Portland and one person in Charlottesville, Virginia. But there is no question in my mind that what is going on in America today the rise of a violent, a violent, what they call themselves, alt-right, a violent neo-Nazi, a violent white supremacist coalition is really, is really, really scary. Uh, you know, after the stabbing in Portland, the, uh, the local alt-right groups got together uh, and uh, celebrated uh, the actions and defended the actions of uh, Jeremy Joseph Christian. Um, this is this is a uh, a problem that is inflicting our country with violent right wing. And I hate the term right because people think that right is pro capitalist or that right is American, essentially American, and right is pro-liberty and pro-freedom. So I don't use uh, the term right to describe myself, and I encourage most of you uh, who, who agree with me not to use the term right to describe yourself. Uh, you know, at this point, as we'll talk about today, right and left are all anti-American. Right and left all describe points of view that do not belong in this great country that is the United States of America. Anyway, I will use right and left to differentiate two types of evil. The type of evil represented by Nazi flags, the type of evil represented by KKK white sheets, the type of evil represented by somebody getting into his car and driving through a crowd, 
purposefully to kill people, purposefully to cause harm to people. That kind of right is evil. It's wrong. It's bad. And it is on the rise. And the violence in its name are on the rise. And we're going to see more and more and more of this violence unless somebody stands up and says, this is bad, this is evil, we must stop. And unless leaders stand up and declare their opposition, unless the President of the United States stands up and declares his explicit opposition to what went on in Charlottesville yesterday, which he did not, we will get to that. Indeed. So let's talk a little bit about what happened yesterday. Um, and let's talk about what's been happening, I'd say, over the last year, year and a half, with the rise of what I'll call the alt-right, which is an umbrella organization for a variety of different groups, but most of which, most of whom, support various forms of uh, white supremacy, most of whom support various forms of uh, statism, of uh, collectivism, of racism. Among them are uh, those who sympathize with the Nazis. You know, I did I did a show on the alt-right, uh, a podcast on the alt-right um, last year. And um, people tell me, oh, you're exaggerating. There are no people in the alt-right and there's nobody there and it's just a bunch of kids and it's not a big deal. And no, oh, the alt-right, they're not anti-Semites and they're not racist and they're not this and they're not that. And of course, immediately... In my uh, in my inbox on Twitter, as soon as I did the show on the alt-right, I got the most vile, horrible, disgusting, anti-Semitic content that I've ever seen from this non-existent, I guess non-existent alt-right. They exist. They're there. How powerful they are, how big they are, how strong they are, that is hard to tell. And that, in, in many respects, would be determined by how we, all of us, respond to their existence. The more support they get, the more silence they get. The more, in a sense, they think that they are having making a difference, that they are having an impact, the more they will grow, the more powerful they will be. All right, so what happened in Charlottesville? Um, Charlottesville uh, is taking down a statue of uh, General Lee, of the Confederate General Lee. And th this is a, a trend in the South since the, uh, over the last few years to take down the statues of so-called Southern Confederate leaders, right? Out of respect for the fact that what were they fighting for? What was the Confederacy actually fighting for? What was the South fighting for in the Civil War? Well, they were fighting for slavery. They were fighting for racism. They were fighting for the enslavement of black Americans. And the idea is these are not heroes. These are villains in a very, very sad episode of American history. And these villains shouldn't be celebrated with statues. And the Confederacy shouldn't be celebrated by waving the Confederate flag. But that these are symbols, these are symbols of a state the South declared its independence from the North, dedicated to the preservation of one of the most evil institutions in human history, slavery. And it's completely legitimate to advocate 
for the removal of the symbols that represent that state. And uh, that's why I think, I do not think Confederate flags should be flown over public institutions. And I do not think that Confederate heroes, statues should be in, quote, public or government spaces. Uh, anyway, they're taking down the statue, and you can agree or disagree. And um, the neo-Nazis, the alt-right, the uh, KK, KKK, the, the other groups on the right, decide to protest this. And they, they've been protesting this for quite a while, but they decide to do a big, uh, a big march, um, a big march on uh, Charlottesville. They call the march, and this is one reason why I do not consider myself a member of the right, because think about how they name the march. They name the march, the march to unite, unite the right. It's the Unite the Right march. If that's the right, I am not the right. If that's the right, none of you should be the right. If that's the right, I don't want to use that term. We'll, we'll get to what term I want to use and how I will ultimately label them and why they are no different than the violent left that they so claim to be opposed to. So they went up there to march. Now, you have a right to free speech. You have a right to protest. They got the permits. The, the, the police was ready. But notice how they showed up to this rally of unity. They showed up with, um, with basically sticks the size of baseball bats. They showed up with helmets. They showed up ready for fights. They showed up ready for violence. Now, we can talk about why they did that and that the left, the left is to a large extent, or to some extent, not to a large extent, to some extent responsible for that. And we're going to get into the evil of, of, uh, of uh, the, the violence of the left in a minute. But they didn't show up just to speak. They didn't just show up just to express their views. They showed up for battle with bats, with helmets, with shields. Now, again, the disgusting nature of the symbols on the shields, the disgusting nature of what they represent, you know, that is awful, that is disgusting, that is horrific, and that should be condemned. They have a right to it. I, unfortunately, will stand on the barricades and fight for their right to, just as I'd stand on the barricades to fight for the racist left's ability to speak. But note that they brought with them instruments of violence. They, and they hid their instruments, so they, they, they had uh, placards with signs on them that were stapled to a stick, but the stick wasn't some thin stick that you need in order to hold up a sign. No, these were attached to baseball bat-like sticks. All right. Um, we're going to take a, a quick break here. Uh, and uh, I see we've already got one caller. And uh, we're going to talk more about what's what happened in Charlottesville, uh, why they came armed. And, and yeah, they, they had, there was a reason. Um, but why... 
why this is such, why this whole phenomenon of what happened in Charlottesville and what's happening around the country is such a bad omen for uh, where this country is heading. All right. You're listening to Iran Brooks Show on the Blaze Radio Network. We'll be right back. Best-selling author, prolific media contributor, PhD in finance. This is the Yaron Brooks Show, the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Yaron Brooks Show. Charlottesville. We're talking Charlottesville, the great, the tragedy that is Charlottesville, and and the tragedy goes beyond the the, the murder and the, the the innocent people, or you know, the people who've been uh, injured on on all sides, and the and the battle there, and the and the violence. But I think this is reflective of something deeper that is going on in America today, and, and we're going to get to that. The the deeper meaning of Charlottesville, what what and the, and the consequences of Charlottesville, and a politician's impotence in dealing with Charlottesville or the, or, or, or the, the, the seeming impotence in dealing with it, at least uh, from what I can see. Now, if you want in on the conversation, uh, you can call in. The number is 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393. If you were in Charlottesville, that would be particularly interesting if you called um, 888-900-3393. Curious to know what it was like on the ground. Um, all right, look, these thugs, these Nazi-sympathizing KKK racists, alt-right nuts, showed up in Charlottesville with helmets and, um, and bats ready for a fight. Now, I know you guys are going to say, some of you guys, I hope only some of you guys, are going to say, you know, they were there for self-defense. These poor, racist, uh, white supremacists were afraid. And, and legitimately so, right? Because everywhere else they show up, these leftists show up. They call themselves the uh, Anfita, and we'll talk about Anfita in a little while. And beat the hell out of them, right? And, and they have to be ready, right? At Berkeley and other places, uh, in Portland, Oregon, uh, these these uh, uh, these leftists come with the same thing with bats. Evergreen College, they were walking around with bats, ready to beat up any anybody who opposed them. And yeah, there's truth to that, right? Antifa, which is short, by the way, for anti-fascist, uh, quite a, uh, a li- almost funny if it wasn't so sad. You know, all, all the fascists. Left and right uniting in Charlottesville. They should have just looked across from each other and said, Oh, wait a minute. We actually agree on much more than we disagree. But, uh, but anyway, right? So here they come marching up. The police let them bring the bats and the helmets and the shields, right? These are weapons. And now the Antifa people are bringing the same kind of stuff. And they start beating each other up. And while the police do some to clear them out, not that much. The police could have really prevented this whole thing. I mean, generally, 
you're seeing across the country this attitude of the police basically standing down when these two groups meet. Now, you could say, yeah, let them beat each other up, but (laughs) we live in a country of law. We live in a country where the police is supposed to protect us from exactly this kind of violence. And they can't just let these guys beat each other up. Innocent people are going to get caught in the crossfire. And even the non-innocent people, the people who are participating in the fight, you can't just fight publicly. That's part of what rule of law is all about. All right, we're going to take a quick call. We've got a little bit of time from Michael in Tennessee. Hi, Michael. How's it going? Hey, Ron. Uh, I just wanted to preface this with I absolutely despise uh, collectivists on each side. I don't like the alt-right. I don't like uh, Antifa or BLM. I think that's the fall of the Western universe, to be honest, or the the West. Uh, But one thing that you should probably take into account, which you are, I think you are starting to go go down that road, is I've been following the alt-right people for a little bit because I was kind of sympathetic to them because they never threw the first punch they never did any of this. So these people were marching. I was watching the video. There's a video you can watch. It's about 30 minutes long. And they were marching with the torch, and they all they did was walk up to a statue. And there was about 20 Antifa people there screaming at them. And I'm like, well, you can scream, whatever. And what started it all was this Antifa person who had a, uh, a bucket of gasoline tried to throw it onto the... Uh, the white people chanting, you will not replace this, stuff like this. Yep. And then and then they uh, they actually, when they went to through it, they tripped and spilled it all over their friends. <laughs> and so they had to walk out covered in yeah. gasoline. But but that's not a, that's not, but look, I mean, that's funny, look, but that's you not saw, They were trying to kill them. No, I get it. I get it, Michael. Look, you, you, you saw <laughs> one image, one video of the thing. I don't know what <laughs> happened, and I'm not going to claim to know who threw the first punch at any of these things. <laughs> the the Both groups have, uh, groups have stuck. But look, to argue that the alt-right never throws the first punch when you're talking about David Duke marching mm-hmm. them. David Duke, who represents the Ku Klux Klan, who has butchered and slaughtered people for over a hundred years. And, and what he represents and standing in front and, and, and arguing for a KKK, which represents everything violent, everything horrific in American history. Oh, when you have people standing there with Nazi symbols. Everything that Nazism stands for, which is violence, violence, violence. You can't then say, oh, they've, the alt-right never throws the first punch. They threw the first punch as soon as they aligned mm-hmm. themselves with the Nazis, as soon as they aligned themselves with the KKK. Those are ideas that are about violence. Those are ideas whose essential characteristics are. Now, they have the right to free speech. They have the right to mm-hmm. show those symbols. But they are promoting Violence. That's ultimately what they are doing. Now, who throws the first punch at any given event? Mm-hmm. You know, who knows? But all of these people are looking for a fight. All of these people are looking for violence. And we must distance ourselves from all of them. Now, and I will get to the fact that the left, in a sense, is responsible for a lot of this. But let's not forget somebody was killed. You're on. On the Blaze Radio Network.
The Yaron Brooks Show. Well, we're talking about Charlottesville, the tragedy in Charlottesville, and, and the extent to which it is a reflection of what is going on in the rest of America, a reflection of what is going on in the streets of America today. And it's still small. Uh, and, and certainly the number of victims here is relatively small and the number of perpetrators is still relatively small. And the real question is, to what extent is the class that we're seeing in Charlottesville between the alt-right racists and the leftist Antifa fascists um, reflective of a real class that's happening in our culture? And I think, and I will try to connect this later on in the show to what happened in Google uh, over the last two weeks, to a much, and what's happening on our campuses all over the place, to a much broader rift that is happening in our culture and, and where that rift is going to take us and what are the dangers that we're heading towards. Because if you look at Charlottesville, it very much looked like kind of the, 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 the street battles between the brown shirts and the red shirts in the 20s and the 30s between the the German fascists of the right and the uh, socialist communists of the so-called left. One group of collectivists battling another group of collectivists. And that's ultimately what we got at Charlottesville. We got the racist right marching to uh, protest the, the, this, the taking away of the statue of, of General Lee. And a counter-protest of what's called Antifa. I don't know how familiar you are with this term, but Antifa, you're probably not, because it's it's interesting that uh, the media doesn't cover um, the violent left anywhere near as much as it covers the violent right. Not to justify the violent right and not to pretend that the violent right is any way pro-American. All these groups are anti-American, the essence of America. But Antifa which is, I guess, short for anti-fascism action, uh, anti-fascist action, is a group uh, that, again, uh, has its roots back in Germany of the 1920s and 30s and has been active uh, on and off over the decades uh, in, uh, in Europe as a uh, violent leftist uh, group that has promoted violence in order to achieve socialist communist goals. Uh, and has, has migrated uh, over time uh, to the U.S. Many of the participants in Antifa are anarchists, anarchists who do not believe in the government, and therefore these are anarchists that are willing to use force as what they uh, view as uh, to defend freedom, freedom in quotes there, not real freedom, but, but uh, uh, the freedom to oppress people in the name of socialism or communism. These are people who use violence because they don't believe, they don't trust, they don't believe they should be a police. They believe we should all be responsible for our own protection. And therefore, they independently go after what they consider right-wing groups. And these days, it's any group that shows support for Donald Trump, they will go after. And uh, going after doesn't mean um, peaceful demonstration. It means violence. This, these are the groups that uh, went after Milo when he was about to speak in uh, Berkeley. Uh, these are the groups that went after Charles Murray uh, at, um, I of course forgot the name of the university. Uh, these are the groups that have gone after people all across the country for having political views that are not acceptable to this violent left, 
to these regressives who uh, who claim that speech is violence and therefore if somebody says something they don't like, they're completely justified in clubbing him in the head, using pepper spray, and so on. This is the group that was responsible for the violence that uh, in Evergreen, Evergreen College, where uh, you know where students ultimately um, were violent against a, a kind of a leftist professor, kind of a moderate, uh, because uh, because you refused to support uh, their uh, argument about um, you know they wanted all the whites to leave the campus so that the whites when they left the campus could. Um, think, spend the time thinking about their privilege and about the evil they and their ancestors have done and, and uh, what they did uh, to, um, to blacks and to other minorities. <laughs> I mean, how ridiculous can you get, right? As if uh, I am responsible or any person today is responsible for the doings of their ancestors, uh, even if you can link that back, for the ideas even of their parents or their fathers, you're responsible for your own actions. You're not responsible for the actions of others. Anyway, uh, uh, you know, they were supposed to be penalized leaving campus f- because for the fact that they are white. And anybody who objected to that was then harassed, uh, violently abused. And, and they were they were walking on campus with baseball bats looking for white students to, to attack. And these are not just black students attacking white students. These are white students attacking white students. So... Look, what, what unites this Antifa and uh, the alt-right? What unites them both is their inherent collectivism, their hatred of the individual, and their willingness, because they have rejected argument and reason, their willingness to use violence to further their cause. Both movements, both the alt-right and Antifa are rooted in long, ancient traditions of ideologies, uh, ideologies that have opposed the very nature and core of what America is about, ideologies and belief systems that the very core are anti-liberty, anti-freedom, anti-reason, anti-individualism, anti-treating people as individuals. In all these cases, alt-right and Antifa, uh, individuals that are associated with them are not, you know, Antifa uh, considers itself an anti-racist group, but it is a racist group. The alt-right considers it a pro-American group, but it is an anti-American group. Alt-right considers itself patriotic, but it is not. It is the enemy of America and what America stands for. To the extent that anybody in the alt-right aligns themselves even a little bit, even sometimes, even on occasion with the KKK or the Nazi flag, they are the enemies of this country. Anybody who views their white identity as important in any sense is an enemy of this country. And for that matter, that includes Black Lives Matter, who views the essential characteristic of a person as the color of their skin. They are racists. They need to be called racists. But that doesn't justify the racists who are white. The fact that they are racists who are black is no justification for the racists who are white. They're all racists, which is horrific. It's not something to be proud of. I, I you know, I, <laughs> I, uh, I'll, 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 I'll tell you this story and then, um, 
and then we're going to take a break. So I was um, I was doing this show on the alt right, and I got all these attacks. And uh, at the same about the same time, I gave a talk in uh, in the UK, and uh, all these people showed up to protest my talk at the UK. I was giving a speech on free speech, and they wouldn't let me talk. And uh, they were pro-Palestinians of some form or another, and what that had to do with anything. Anyway, they wouldn't let me talk. And then uh, ultimately, we cleared the room, and we got me in a different room, and I gave my talk and everything. And some of them had stayed there and, and let me speak. And they were, you know, they were clearly part of this uh, uh, leftist, uh, you know, uh, weird, irrational, crazy socialist left. And uh, later, they kind of attacked me through Twitter. And and one of these women, and this is about the same time as the alt-right is attacking me on Twitter. So I'm being attacked by the by the crazy left on Twitter. And I'm being attacked by the alt-right on Twitter. And, um, and ultimately, ultimately, the woman on the on the on the left wrote me a tweet saying, "You're a racist and a uh, a fascist. You're a racist and a fascist. You're on book." <laughs> and the funny thing was, then somebody on the alt right stepped in and said, "Look, lady, I know you're on Brooke, and and you're on Brooke ain't no racist. I am right." He was proud. You know, he actually said, "I'm a racist." And Yaron Brook is no racist, right? I have a racist coming to my defense. Somebody who is proud of his racism. So let me say, let me tell you right now, clear as day, there is nothing, there's almost nothing more despicable than racism. It is, as Ayn Rand called it, the most primitive form of collectivism. And collectivism is an ideology, an ideology that is antagonistic to everything. I and Ayn Rand believed in. So these racists who marched together with the leftist counterparts who are also racist and, and also despicable are both the same and we need to call them the same. We need to identify the same. We need to condemn them as the same. They're anti-life. Uh, what could be worse than anti-life? All right. We need to take a quick break. You're listening to your own book show. We'll be back after these messages. Israeli military veteran and radical for capitalism. It's the Yaron Brook Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Yaron Brook. We are talking Charlottesville today, and we're talking about the ongoing battle in the streets of America. It's not yet quite as ominous as it makes it sound, but it's getting there. It's getting there. Between the alt-right, the Nazis, the racists, the KKK, the the, the, the various forms of uh, collectivists who, who, ad, who claim to be patriots, but who are actually the antithesis of what it means to America, and the alt-left, Antifa, uh, Black Lives Matter, and all the racists on the left who claim to represent liberty and freedom, but are actually fascists themselves and collectivists and racists themselves. Uh, that's where we are today in America. These are the groups that make the most headlines. These are the groups that, and, and then you have, you have, um, a lot of people, and this is what's scary, a lot of people who are soft alt-right and soft alt-left. 
And that's where the real influence is. The real influence is, is not that the people marching in the streets, but the people who sympathize with those marching in the streets, the people who legitimize those marching in the streets, the people who actually support quietly, partially by their silence, the people marching in the streets. The people who, without using violence, are implementing the ideas of the people marching in the streets. And on the right, you're seeing that in politics and in the left. You're seeing that at the universities. And we're going to get to that. We're going to get to the president's response. And we're going to get to, uh, you know, generally Republicans' response to what happens in Charlottesville. All right, we're going to take a call from Enric. Enric, hi, you're on the Iran Brooks Show. Uh, hi, Iran. Good to talk to you. Um, uh, it seems like uh, what's, like you said, it's similar to what happened somewhat to in the 1930s that you have the left and the right. Yep. And uh, my impression is that they create uh, enough chaos that eventually uh, the pe- normal people decide on uh, uh, promoting or accepting one side yep. and they take state power. Yep. And it seems like we, the important thing is to stop, to, to uh, support the police in stopping the chaos, in, uh, in supporting civil, the civil uh, society. Yep. No, I, I think you're, you're absolutely right, and uh, you kind of stole my punchline, because that's where I'm heading. I mean, we really are, I think, witnessing the beginnings of what we saw in, in Germany in the 19, I wouldn't say 30s, I would say 20s. We're not quite at the 30s. And I don't think the, the, the right or the left, in the, in the sense that the, these, these fascists have yet a charismatic leader who can lead and rally and actually coalesce and actually bring in many people who are, who are not there. You know, uh, they've uh-huh. got a bunch of bubbling, bumbling idiots, uh, but no, nobody really takes too seriously. But, I think that was the situation in Germany in the beginning of the 20s. And slowly this became worse and worse, and, and, and people didn't identify how serious it was. And by 1932, 33, it was too late already. It was over. And it's interesting to what the people ultimately rallied, that they don't, the people don't rally towards the alt-left. And I don't believe that there's a chance in this country, and I'll, I'll talk about this after, after the next break, I don't believe there's a chance that in this country we would rally towards the alt-left. And that's why I believe ultimately that the bigger enemy, the bigger long-term uh, cancer, the long-term threat to this country comes from the alt-right. But it doesn't matter. Either one of them is leading us towards some form of authoritarianism. And uh, unless we take a stand, and taking a stand means, means identifying the evil that is common to both, and identifying the alternative that is America, what America stands for, why it stands for it, what, what America means, and, and, and how we need to combat these authoritarian forces in the world today. Unless we stand up for that, I, I think we, the believers in liberty, lose. Yeah, and, I'm wondering what's the way to combat, what specific, what actions can be taken even at this point when it's not really everything very clear. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, I, I, I mean, this is my view, and I, and I only have like 20 seconds to cover this, or 30 seconds to cover this. I think that's a few things. One, the police has to get involved. You cannot have violence in the streets without the police intervening. The police should disarm people as they enter a demonstration. They shouldn't be allowed to bring clubs and weapons and, 
and and means of violence, both left, uh, both on the left and the right. And then those of us who truly believe in America, those of us who believe in freedom and liberty and free speech need to speak up, speak up against left and right, speak up against collectivism and violence and remind, remind American people what this country is truly, really about. Thank you. All right. We'll be back after this relatively long break. Thanks, Henrik, for calling. You're listening to your Ron Brooks show on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to the Yaron Brooks Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome to a discussion of radical fundamental principles of freedom, rational self-interest, laissez-faire capitalism, and individual rights. The Yaron Brooks Show starts now. Wow, what an ugly weekend. And I'm not talking about the weather. The weather here in Southern California is actually gorgeous. I'm talking about what happened in Charlottesville. I mean, ugh, ugly, both sides. Alt-right, alt-left. This is what the country is boiling down to, a, a battle between fascists of the right and fascists of the left. Now, we talked about this in the first hour. I, I want to talk in the second hour after I take a couple of calls. I want to talk about two things primarily in the second hour. The response primarily the response of President Trump and the Republican leadership, and who I think is going to win, right? Who I think is going to win. Uh, now, if you want in on the conversation, 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393. Uh, I'm curious, what do you think? Uh, who, who's going to win this all-out battle for the soul and future of America? Who are you worried, worried about? Alt-left, alt-right? And, um, and, and here I mean the violent left, violent right, and everybody who supports them and everybody who apologizes for them and everything else. And, um, what do you think about President Trump showing leadership at this moment of, uh, talking about unity? Let's come together as one. Isn't that good stuff? All right. We're gonna, we're gonna start with, uh, with, uh, whoops. I thought, what, did we lose somebody? Yes, we lost somebody. All right. Sorry. Somebody, uh, dropped off. Um, we're going to start with uh, Xavier, who's calling from Australia. Hey, Xavier, how's it going? Hey, um, I just wanted to uh, challenge you on something you said earlier. Sure. Um, I think you have to be very careful when you support the removal of certain statues. I think it can be very, a very fatuous form of escapism, and um, I think it has been shown to be quite, quite dangerous. Um, I, I think the importance of statues really are is that they allow us to in a very public forum to say, hey, this was a bad guy and this is why he's bad and this is what he did. And by removing these statues, you lead these discourses and debates to ferment and fester and yeah. froth and boil into things that we've seen at the moment. I think, especially, I mean, I don't know if you're familiar, but a couple of weeks ago there was a, a statue of Karl Marx that was erected in Manchester in England. Yep. Um, and I, and I, I condemn Karl Marx as a horribly evil person, but I, I, his statue allows me to point him out as he sort of deserves to be. And I, I don't think you can make history be forgotten. No, and I think I, it look, deserves to be looked in the eye and um, just so you don't make the same mistake. Yeah. No, I, I think that's right. I think history should not be forgotten. I think history needs to look in the eye. But then let's talk for a minute about what statues represent and what erecting a statue for Karl Marx or for, or for a Confederate general represent. Uh, and it depends, of course, who erects a statue. But whoever erects the statue is saying, 
This is somebody I respect and admire. This is somebody you should stop in front of and contemplate, not in a negative way, because the statues are always heroic and positive. This is art. This is not history. This is art. And art elicits a certain response. And when you see a statue of courageous, brave General Lee sitting on his horse, that's not just history. That's saying, and particularly if it's on a state property, that's saying this is somebody important, but not just important historically. This is something, and this goes to the role of art. This is somebody to be emulated. This is somebody to be admired. So I, I, I'm not calling for the destruction of the history, quite the contrary. I think we don't know enough of the history, and we've distorted the history, and we've perverted the history. Um, but, but what I'm saying is put it in a museum. Or, or, you know, suddenly people can have statues and private property. They can put up whatever they want. But on public property, it's reflecting the state's position. It, it shouldn't, I mean, they shouldn't be public property. This is part of the problem. They shouldn't be statues and public property uh, in none of these things. I mean, really, we shouldn't even have a Jefferson Memorial and a Lincoln Memorial because, because it's wrong for the state to take positions. But it certainly is wrong for the state to take positions that are antagonistic to the very foundational principles of the United States. Uh, it should be in a museum. Um, people who express violent ideology should not be admired and respected, but they should be understood for what, you know, f- for the historical context in which, in which they, uh, uh, in which they existed. Um, so I, you know, so, and, and suddenly, you know, I, I think erecting a statue of Marx on anybody's property should be condemned because, uh, you know, this is a murderous, uh, evil, uh, philosopher who, who caused the deaths of over 100 million people, and that should be pointed out. Now, you could use the statue as an example. I don't believe in blowing up the statue, uh, particularly if it's on private property, uh, but public funds to erect a statue for Marx, it's, it's just disgusting. Now, it's almost well, I mean, as bad as teaching Marx by, positively in our schools. Privately, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, um, I, I, I think I, the problem I, with that is, you know, yep. if you remove the figure, if you remove the public figure from statues, you just yep. end up with very bland sort of conceptual statues that may represent philosophies, but those philosophies could just change. Well, I don't um, believe in, in conceptual statues time. for anybody. I think those are, those are horrible. But that's, and spend, but that's what you, I guess you're espousing by removing the... No, I'm espousing, you, I'm espousing no... The, the pillar. I'm espousing uh, uh, the, the statues of people who are clearly offensive um, and clearly do not represent the values of America, not stand for America. Now, again, I would prefer a situation where there was no public property and therefore there was no opportunity for the government to erect statues. But given that they're going to erect statues, then, then you know, do it for, for the small number of people who we can generally agree are, are, are pro-American and, and not for the people who are not. And, I, you know, I, I think some of the most amazing pictures uh, – uh, after the fall of the Berlin Wall, were when uh, the statues of Lenin and Stalin were pulled down by the people. Some of the most amazing pictures out of Iraq were when Saddam Hussein's statue was pulled down. I mean, all that turned out badly, but but generally, that was a powerful picture. People people taking uh, you know uh, viewing these statues as an expression for what they really were and ripping them down, and 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 that's a powerful image. And the opposite of that is the erection of those statues or the continued support and maintenance. I mean, the government keeps spending money on these statues because they have to be maintained, cleaned, and so on. But I agree with you in this sense. The history is important, and the history is crucial. 
And you don't want to take down these statues just as an, just because you were pressured by Black Lives Matter to do it or by some other racist leftist organization to do it. You, you, you want to do it because of a well understood principle. And that's why I agree with you. We fail because suddenly, uh, suddenly people today, um, don't get the principle behind this. They, they don't get it. They view it more as, as just, uh, uh, appeasing a pressure group and and that's what's happening and 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 to that extent to that extent you're right all right thanks xavier really appreciate the call all the way from australia and uh let's see we we've got yeah let's take a quick call uh from dave in portland and dave i need you to be quick because we're coming up to a break yes you're on yes you're on thank you um I don't know if you talked about this or not. I got on a little bit late, but I I was definitely noticing that the media and authorities, while justified in sort of, you know, condemning the uh, alt-right values, you know, it's disgusting. But I did notice that there was an absence in condemning the violent behavior of the anti-protesters. Yep. No, I think that's right. I think that generally there was a lack of condemning anybody. So uh, President Trump did not condemn anybody. Uh, he, he did not condemn anybody specifically. He did not left or right. Um, Virginia, the Virginia governor uh, did not, at least in the in the initial response, did not condemn anybody specifically. Mitch McConnell did not condemn anybody specifically. Paul Ryan did not condemn anybody specifically, left or right. And and particularly in this case, given that somebody was killed, given that somebody from these alt-right groups got in a car and ran people over, mimicking what Islamic terrorists do, that should have been condemned to hell and high water. It should have been condemned from every a bully pulpit in America. And then if you want to condemn the left as well, fine. But you got to condemn the people who marched. you got to condemn their ideology. And you got to condemn the violence that they caused. They killed somebody. And he, was, he wasn't alone because it, what, it, what, what it looks like is that, that people were guiding him out of there, helping him out. Now, luckily, he was caught. And, and of course, uh, as the days unfold, we'll get more of that story. But... Uh, the condemnation just wasn't there. And when we come back, we're going to go for a break quickly. Thanks, Dave. Uh, we're going to talk more about uh, President Trump's response, the response of other political leaders, and uh, what that all means and what that has to do with all of this. And then I want to get to the question of who's going to win this. And um, we had a caller. I think he's still there. Uh, yes, we've got a caller from Jersey City, Mohammed, uh, who wants to talk about who's going to – who's. Uh, who uh, is going to win this, and we're going to go to that. But it might be a little while, so stay online there. Uh, all right, you're listening to your Ron Brook Show on the Blaze Radio Network. We're going to be right back. PhD, author, media contributor. This is the Yaron Brook Show, the Blaze Radio Network. Brooks show. All right, we're talking Charlottesville and alt-right and alt-left and everything that has to do with that. And now it's going to affect your life if this spreads across America. We're already seeing 
repeated, repeated fights between the alt-left and alt-rights in the streets of Portland, Oregon. This has become a regular featured thing. The, the, the alt-right marches, the alt-left shows up, they start fighting. The police, to a large extent, leave them alone. Um, Portland's a pretty small place. It's, it's, it's not pleasant to be in the streets of Portland on the weekend. Uh, not to mention the stabbing that I mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, where a alt-right racist uh, stabbed three men who were trying to uh, protect a couple of girls who he was being, who he was harassing with uh, anti-Muslim and anti, um, you know, minority slurs. And all that all these guys did was step in and say, "Hey, cool it, guy. You can't be harassing these girls." Pulled out a knife, stabbed them. Two of them died. That was in Portland, Portland, Oregon. Uh, Portland, it turns out, has been a haven for white supremacists uh, since the early part of the 20th century. So it's it's Portland is classic because it's nutty left and the nutty right has a real presence there. All right, if you want to end in the conversation, it's 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393. And if you don't believe that, uh, that they are racists in this country, Check out my uh, my YouTube feed right now because they're there. They're there. You know, I've been called by somebody. I mean, anyway, the N word. I've been called, and then and then I get I get things like uh, the South shall rise again. A clear uh, indication. Abraham Lincoln didn't believe in racial equality. He wanted blacks to go to Africa. So the racists saying for are there. Uh, they're advocating for their version of collectivistic hatred uh, and for their anti-American. Uh, garbage, and um, you know, just just in case uh, you you, you want to see it, you can go to uh, YouTube and search Iran Brook. By the way, you should all be uh, you should all uh, what do you call it? Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. You can also follow me on uh, Facebook. It's Y Brook Y B R O O K, and on Twitter, Yaron Brook Y A R O N B R O O K. So follow me on Twitter. Like me on Facebook and subscribe to my YouTube channel. You can also get this and a bunch of other things that I do as a podcast by going to your favorite podcast app and putting my name in and downloading. It'll download automatically and you can follow much of what I do and much of what I say through that. Uh, so I encourage you to all do that. So let's, let's talk about what our political leader said. So, so President Trump had a, a live press, a, a kind of a live uh, presentation yesterday, and he said stuff about condemning the hatred and we all need to come together. And uh, he talked about the hatred on many sides. Right. Now, it is true there is hatred on many sides, but it is also true that a, um, a alt-right person just killed somebody, supposedly from the other side, I don't know what this woman uh, was about, and injured who knows how badly, 19 other people. You don't just come out and say on many sides. You want to include as one of the sides the Antifa or whatever the ultra-left version is? Fine. But name names. Condemn the ideology of both left and right. Condemn white supremacy. Remember how long it took the candidate Trump to distance himself from David Duke? David Duke, the KKK. This should be an easy one, Mr. President, a really, really easy one. You should be anti-KKK. You should condemn them to hell. So Trump is not. 
Trump is not leading on this issue. He tweeted today, we must rem- remember this truth. No matter our color, creed, religion, or political party, we are all Americans first. What the hell does that mean? What does being America first mean? The slogans. I guess he doesn't want to condemn the rally of the Unite the Right, because many of them were wearing, um, what do you call it, uh, baseball caps with Make America Great Again. Maybe because many of them voted for him, and he doesn't want to alienate some of the people who voted for him, and he doesn't want to alienate maybe the silent, I won't say majority, but the silent large number of people who, while are not going to go march for white supremacy, are not going to go march with uh, with the Nazis, are kind of, at the margins, maybe a little sympathetic. I don't think that's a small group. I think that's a significant group. Some of them are on my YouTube feed right now. And he doesn't want to alienate them because they voted for him. Why? I, you know, because I, I really don't think Donald Trump, as Donald Trump, the person, is a racist or a bigot. I, I, I don't get that sense. I, I, I think Donald Trump is whatever he thinks will lead him to victory, to win. Right? I think Bannon is a bigot and a racist, but, uh, but also somebody who uses bigotry and racism to, to achieve an end. Uh, the end is what matters to both of them. But why won't he just say, I condemn neo-Nazis, I condemn white supremacists, and I condemn those who come to protest them if, when they come to protest them, they are intent on using violence. I condemn violence because even though the ideas of these people on the alt-right are despicable, are hateful, this is what the president should have said. They have a right to say it. And those, those on the left who would come to beat them up, they're no better. They're no better if what they have to do is be violent. Show some leadership. Defi- I mean, I don't need a philosophical statement. Okay, he's not going to make a philosophical statement. He, he, that's not him. That's not any president that we've seen in modern history, right? in modern memory. He's not going to come out and say, look, America's for individualism. We believe in the sanctity of the individual. We live in the right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness for the individual. Anybody, anybody who marches for the sake of the collective, for the sake of a group, for the sake of the race, for the sake of whatever, a collective agenda, is anti-American and wrong, left or right, doesn't matter. I condemn them all, and those, not only who march for these ideas, but then who are willing to raise a bat, or a fist, or use a car, in violent ways to promote these ideas that is evil and that is where law and order will manifest itself. We will not tolerate this. We will not tolerate any violence. But he has to condemn the ideas. These are anti-American ideas. And they manifest in violence. Now this is a president who attacked Obama, attacked Obama, for not being willing to call terrorism radical Islamic terrorism. Attacked Obama for not having the courage to call it Islamic. Well, it's about time, Mr. President, that you had the courage to call these racists what they are. Call them out. 
for the bigots that they are. Call them out for the racists that they are. Call them out for the anti-Americans that they are. And call out the leftists who use violence to attack them or use violence to silence people. Call them out for the fascists that they are. You can't just single out Muslims. If we want to call out people, then let's call out people. Let's make it explicit and let's stand up for what America really values, what America's, what's really truly American, which is the sanctity of the individual. All right, we're going for a break. You're listening to Run Book Show. We'll be right back. You won't hear traditional political views here. This is the Yaron Brook Show on the Blaze Radio Network. The Yaron Brook Show. So I do want to talk about the media coverage of Charlottesville and generally the media coverage of, of, of the this battle, if you will, raging in our streets, but more importantly, in our minds, at our universities, it generally across the culture, this battle between the alt-right and the alt-left, that's what I'm calling it right now, the fascists on the right and the fascists on the left, all of them are, are basically all the same. They're all collectivists. They're all forms of fascism. Uh, and Tifa on the right uh, and, and, and Fita and Tifa and Fita, anti-fascist, yeah, and Fita on the left, and, uh, you know, the various alt-right groups on the right. Um, and, and of course, on the left, I would also put, uh, to, to a large extent, Black Lives Matter, what Black Lives Matter has morphed into. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about the coverage of the media, because there's no question, there's no question that the media is unbelievably biased when it comes to the coverage of these events. When it is a, a, uh, a an alt-right type event, march, demonstration, when they get violent, it's all over the media. It's everywhere. When uh, Antifa and, and Fita or at Berkeley or at Evergreen or at, uh, or, or at other universities uh, in other places get violent, pepper spray people, people just standing around, pepper spray them, club them, destroy property. There's almost no mention in the media. There is no question in my mind that the cultural elites, the media, uh, many of our commentators are at least quietly sympathetic with the violence of the left. Now there was a there was a, a good article written in um, in uh, the uh, where is it? I'm looking for it uh, in the Atlantic uh, on the rise of the violent left, written actually by a leftist, and and there's some moderate leftists who who I think a. Uh, 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 on the right side on these issues. And, and he documents, you can find it, the rise of the violent left uh, on, um, on uh, the Atlantic magazine. And he covers the rise of, of an, an Antifa and uh, what they represent, what they stand for, the danger they represent, how many, many, many on the left are apologetic, ap apolo uh, you know, apologetic for them, uh, give them a free, a free pass, and uh, how evil and how bad they really are and what the consequences are going to be uh, for them. So it, it's good to see people on the left condemning this, people on the left recognizing this. Uh, I wish it was more. I wish there were more people uh, who, who, condemned, who condemned this and realized the awful consequences of all this. But there's no question 
There's no question when it comes to the media that the media is biased. Now, there's also no question that Fox and the so-called right-wing media does the opposite. They they overemphasize um, the stuff that is convenient for them, and they underemphasize other things. So I don't want to let the media off the hook here because the media uh, also, you know, elevates things to, 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 to kind of our consciousness and, and makes things clear, uh, real to us. And, and to the extent that they emphasize some things like, the, the, the alt-right and de-emphasize other things like the alt-left, they give the impression that one is on the rise and the other one is not, and, and one is more violent the other, than the other one. And it's not obvious that that's the case. Both of these movements, in my view, have achieved an incredible amount of momentum, an incredible uh, amount of strength since the election. Both are growing, uh, uh, you know, over the last year, but particularly since the election. And uh, both, I think, represent a real threat to the country, a real threat to the country. In my view, a much bigger threat to the country than North Korea does, because I don't think that North Korea would ever do, would ever actually launch against us. Um, but these movements, these ideologies, these think thinkers, if you could call them thinkers at all, uh, are undercutting what it is to be an American. And ultimately, they are forcing us to take sides and forcing us to take sides between a fascist left and a fascist right, God help this country. And that doesn't mean I believe in God because I said God. I don't. All right. Um, we are going to go to Mohammed in Jersey City. Hi. Hey. How's it going? Hello? Yes. Hello, you're on. Yeah. Um, I was thinking for a while now um, about this idea that the country starting to look more like Weimar Germany where there's constant clashes between you know, far left and far right activists. Yep. And yep. what I think is going to happen is, is if you're going to discuss this in terms of who's going to win, yep. we're all going to be losers in that sense. Everyone's sure. going to lose. Sure. But only one side can package their ideas in ways that Americans, as they exist today, can swallow them. I, I don't think the way the left conducts itself with, you know, the anti-American bashing that we should all be ashamed of, you know, being um, American. Yep. You know, if you're white, if you have this innate guild, that's, that's not going to be something that the country at large is going to, you know, accept. Um, and however repulsive the views of the alt-right is, it's still, it, it can manage to hide its uh, odious character better than the left can. In so, that sense, they would probably be the long-term yeah. victors. Yeah, so so thanks. I mean, you great lead into what I want to say, because I agree with you completely. I agree with you completely, and not only that, uh, I would refer everybody to the work of, of uh, maybe the, the, the best living philosopher today, uh, Leonard Peikoff, who has written a couple of books on exactly this issue. One is The Ominous Parallels, where he draws parallels between the rise of Nazism in Germany and uh, the rise, ultimately, of, of, of fascism in the United States. And, and he, he wrote this book in, in 1980, I think, or 1981. Um, and, and it's playing out just as he predicted. And a, a, a more a, a recent book that he wrote, Dim, the, the, the Dim Hypothesis, uh, which is more philosophical, uh, has, has to do with his views about integration. And I'm not going to get into the here. Uh, but basically, he is predicting, again, that what we're likely to get is some kind of integrated authoritarianism from, let's call it, the right, 
um, integrated at, around something. And, 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 and here's the essential argument that I think Mohammed is making and, and that I would agree with. Thanks for calling, by the way. Really appreciate it. And, and I think you're absolutely right. The left is so nihilistic. The left is so fragmented in its, in its thinking. And I put thinking in quote. It's anti-science, anti-everything that every common American recognizes. It's anti-American in such a deep, obvious, in-your-face sense that the left will never, in spite of the fact that it holds the 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 cultural, um, it, it holds the cultural high ground. It, it controls the culture. It controls the universities. It controls the media. It cannot win. Because, by the way, it's controlled all those things for 50 to 100 years. And it, it, it's won slowly, but very, 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 very slowly. It cannot win ultimately, particularly not in its current form. The nihilistic, anti-human life, explicit form. It is so clearly out to smash everything that Americans believe in. And in that sense, I think the alt-left is less dangerous because I think people see it for what it is. Even some people on the left see it for what it is. The alt-right, though, is different. The alt-right embraces the American flag. The alt-right wraps itself in the American flag. Not just in the American flag qua flag, but in the kind of ideas, the, 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 the history, the symbolism, the, 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 the rhetoric. They claim to be the true inheritors of their, of their founding fathers. Wrongly, 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 but they claim that. They're much harder to see through, particularly if they're not carrying Nazi flags around and they're not, you know, explicitly KKK. I mean, the biggest mistake the alt-right makes from a strategic point of view is embracing symbols that are so clearly antagonistic to most Americans. They could smuggle their ideas in much more effectively by not going all out like that. I don't know why I'm giving the alt-right ideas. And you can see many who hide their racism with this. And then you get to the point where the president of the United States is not going to condemn them because he understands that at least part of what they stand for has some appeal in the public out there. And you don't get Republicans really standing up against them. Some, just like there's some leftists who stand up against and feet. I think the long-term prognosis here is that the alt-right is going to be on the rise and the alt-left in decline. I think nationalism is much more appealing than nihilism and anarchy. I think, and I think you saw that. You saw the hints of that. You saw the beginnings of that in the election of Donald Trump. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. Um, and uh, when we get back, we're going to wrap things up. We've got a couple of callers. I'll try to get to you, but I don't promise I'm going to get to you because there's some wrapping up to do here. And um, you're listening to Ron Brook Show, and we're on the Blaze Radio Network. We'll be right back. This is the Yaron Brook Show. The Blaze Radio Network.
right, so we're discussing Charlottesville today. Sad, but necessary. Um, and Charlottesville has really brought to the forefront the, the the cultural war that is going on out there between two groups of anti-American collectivists, the alt-right and what we'll call the alt-left. And it, it, it is only going to get worse because they feed off of each other. I don't know that the alt-right would have come to prominence if not for the alt-left and the alt-left's um, uh, uh, just nihilistic anti-American and, and dominant uh, presence and, and really dominance, particularly on American universities. Uh, this is not a case where, um, uh, you know, the left, where they both have the same kind of mouthpieces. The left clearly dominates uh, all the, the, the cultural elite, uh, universities and, and media and, and elsewhere, right? The response to it has been, the response to the nihilism, the response to the violence of the left, the response to the, to the advocacy of the left to bring about socialism in America, the response to Bernie Sanders and the ability of Bernie Sanders to do as well as he did was not, was not tragically for America a call for individualism, was not tragically for America a call for capitalism, was not tragically for America, a call for a return to the founding principles of this country. Instead, the response to Bernie Sanders, the alt-left, the dominance of the left at our universities, the dominance of the left, the dominance of the left of our media, the response has been a call for nationalism, a call for false patriotism, a call to build walls on our borders to keep those immigrants out. And don't give me, it's only against illegal immigrants. We know now, we know now that it's to stop all immigrants. What we got was not a call for the founding principles of America. What we call is an, it was to a, to a set of ideas that is as anti-American as the left is. And now the question is, now that it's laid out before us, the leftist nihilism and the rightist authoritarianism, both that lead to authoritarianism, of course, and totalitarianism. Who are you going to go with? And my suspicion is, then when it comes down to the American people, they are more likely to go right than they are to go left. Now, I hope they go in either direction. I still hope that there is in the American spirit the spirit of revolution, the spirit of the founders, the spirit of individualism, the spirit of capitalism, the spirit of individual rights. But to do that, we, those of us who believe in those things, who believe in freedom, who believe in liberty, who believe in individual rights, who believe in individualism, who believe in not judging other people based on the color of their skin or the way they look, but based on their character, we need to rise up. We need to rise up to fight both groups. We need to rise up to oppose both groups. And that means criticizing the right when the right deserves to be criticized. It means criticizing the left when the left need, needs to be criticized. And it means objecting to violence where they come from the left or from the right. It means standing and understanding and integrating what it really means to be an American, what the American ideology is, so that we know what to fight for. And this is not 
a white nation. This is not a European nation. This is not a blood and soil nation. This is a nation built in the rejection, ultimately, of all those ideas. This is a nation that fought a civil war in order partially to reject those very ideas. This is a nation built on the ideas of freedom and liberty for the individual. This is a nation built on the ideas of the pursuit of happiness for the individual. A nation built on the idea that if we disagree with one another, the means to, to deal with that disagreement is debate and argument and human reason, not violence. And therefore, we must all rise up, not just against the fascists of left and right, but for reason and individualism, for the real founding ideas of this country, for an America we can all be proud of. All right, depressing, depressing world we live in sometimes. But there's a lot of good out there, and I believe in the end, we will win. All right, you've been listening to Ron Brooks Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Hope to listen to you next week. Uh, talk to you then. Applying the principles of rational self-interest and individual rights on your radio. It's the Yaron Brooks Show on the Blaze Radio Network.